to the Heads Up Podcast. I am Jason Rogers, the head of school of Rundle College Society, and I'll be your host for this season's episode. With each new podcast, we hope to explore interesting topics relating to Rundle College student, faculty, and parent life. This season, you'll hear interviews with faculty, parents, alumni, students, and educational experts. Each episode will aim to provide an insight and context to the happenings in and around our community. Thank you for joining me and everybody in the Rumble College Society on this journey, and I hope you enjoy this Rumble experience. Welcome back to the Heads Up Podcast. In today's episode, we're doing another Talking Heads edition. This time, I'll be speaking with James Lee from the Rosedale Day School in Toronto, Ontario. I've gotten to know James over the years, and as we move through the years together, we've had more and more conversations about what exactly makes great education. I'm excited to share his thoughts with you today on this episode of the Heads Up. Welcome back. I'm sitting here with James Lee. He's the head of school from Rosedale Day School. Uh, It's a Toronto school, a small downtown school. I've known James for the past four years when I came on as head at Rundle College. He was among the first to congratulate me and offer me any help uh, he could provide and I've certainly taken him up on that on several occasions. He's been a great friend and mentor over the time and uh, we've stayed in touch the whole while. So today I'm thrilled to have him as a part of our show. Thanks for joining me, James. Thank you, Jason. Okay, so James, I've got the same question for all the heads of school that I'm talking to over the conference here, the Case Heads and Chairs Conference. And the question comes back to what makes an excellent school in your mind? So what is excellence in education, James? Great question. Um, when you look at the fact that, you know, we, I've worked in three other independent schools, um, mostly all mid-sized, so be, you know, within the, the five to 800 uh, student range. I guess 800 would be more on the larger scale. But Rosedale, we only have 141 students. And um, I'm going into my sixth year now, and it's, it's, it has been an, an, a phenomenal learning curve for me. Um, not only the um, responsibilities in my position, but just really learning about, you know, when we talk about what makes schools excellent. And over the years, you know, just the, the idea and the, even the definition of mission and vision. Right. And stu- I mean, students and parents, parents most likely choose your school because they buy into the mission and vision. They believe that uh, you know, what, what you're offering, who you are, who you want to become, becomes vital. And I think that schools that are um, not as functional as you know, schools that are considering themselves as, as excellent schools, excellent schools know how to articulate that mission and vision clearly through action, not just through words. And I think that it needs to be understood both implicitly and explicitly. So members within your community, you know, I don't think that it'd be fair to pick a parent off the street to say, can you, can you give us our vision word for word? Right. If you have that, right. wow, I'd be so impressed. Um, but if you know that you have members of your community that can articulate why they chose the school, it may not be word for word, but you tie it into you know the the mission and vision. And what you have there is when you when you when you complete that with what you're doing on a day to day basis in the classrooms, your teachers. Um, how the students feel about the school and everything from pre- your, your structured programming, your, 
curriculum, and also, you know, uh, it comes down to your facilities too. When you've got the alignment of those three key pillars, and you know that, you know, the, your, your school is truly acting out its mission and vision, you know, you have an excellent school because we're all independent and different for a reason. Yep. And again, when you look at who our community is, and our community will define us as an excellent school, I mean, it may be great to have a parent at another school in Newfoundland or, you know, to say that yep. we're an excellent school, but I'd be, you know, as a head, I'd be more interested in how our immediate community defines us as an excellent school. And for me, and over the years, what I've learned is if you have a mission and you have a vision and you have your community that have bought into it, and again, that does not mean they know word for word, and if they do, that's, that's fantastic, of course. but they truly understand that what you're doing, why you're doing it, supports the mission and vision. Um, and that you know, um, and that involves the three big constituents: students, faculty, and, and your parents. It's great, James. What I hear you saying is um, a couple of things. First, I think private school strength is really in choice, and the fact that uh, parents have a choice of what type of school they're going to send their kids to, and all of us have a different value proposition for them. Uh, secondly. And I've always thought this about any great school is that it's authentic in its delivery of that choice. And through the mission, vision, and values, remaining authentic to that as to what you've said to um, parents is exactly what you're doing in the classroom. And I think the third thing that you brought forward here is a interesting because we talked about some of the work you're doing at your school around human-centered design and changing spaces. And so just for the next couple of minutes, can you tell me about couple of the exciting projects that are happening at your school or that have just happened and uh, and let us know how that's impacting the education at your school. It's given me a few more gray hairs I would, uh, yeah, I would have to admit does. but it always does but it's we it's it's done with it's completed and we are just in um, a better place now at our, at our school you feel it within the students our parents our entire community so what we've done it's it was centered from ground up I mean um, the it started out as a question to our faculty, uh, you know, what type of graduates do we want to um, have leave our school? You know, quality, characteristics and qualities, and it would all fall under the 21st century model. What do you know we feel are important 21st century skill sets that our graduates would need? And it's you know no surprise. There's uh, if you would if you even focus on schools one decade, two, three, four decades ago, creativity, innovation, problem solving, as far as I'm concerned, still existed in, yeah. historically in schools. But how you do it, and and how you model it, how you structure it, there's a way to do it, and I think that fits with today's generation, based on the fact of the tools they have, the resources they have. Um, I go back to I'm, I'm not uh, I'm, I, I am 45 years old. So uh, back in uh, you know when I was educated in the in the school system in Toronto, the primary sources of information what I call were the double T's. <laughs> so textbooks and teachers yeah. were our primary sources of information. That's right. Now you know what we're, we're trying to teach children is you can still solve problems, learn, build knowledge, but your teacher and your textbook does not have to be the primary source of information, right. which expands exactly. out a whole new world. Absolutely. So with that being said, by just harnessing those tools that are available for the, the students, we want to provide a program and structure where we're answering the questions, how are you building, creating? Activity, how you how are you fostering innovation and how are you teaching high-level real-world problem-solving skills and uh, so what we did we got um, I learned more and more about um, the design thinking process and I know it's been out there in industry in many many years but 
from a school's perspective, and particularly an elementary school's perspective, what I what I really really appreciate about uh, design thinking the most is it really blends in the importance of empathy when it comes to trying to help young children solve real world problems. Exactly. And when when children know that they can approach a problem by Skyping, emailing, speaking to the immediate user groups involved. It can be a group of individuals, a single individual, but when you hear from them the challenges that they face, and it's, it, it appeals far more to your abilities to problem solve rather than a teacher saying, here's your assignment, go figure it out. I mean, you may do it because you want, what's yep. your motivation? You want yep. the mark. But when you have you know, a connection, a personal connection that you can make with a group of people, uh, a city, a country, whatever problem that you're trying to solve. Exactly. I'll give you an example. Last year at grade eights, uh, when there's a big um, uh, issue on the news in Flint, Michigan with uh, their, their water cr uh, crisis and the, you know, the, um, the issues with their water systems. You know, it, 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 it doesn't take much these days now to find you know, key people in the city utilities department or even residents of Flint, Michigan that you can Skype with and connect with. Yes. And when you hear their stories, believe me, young children are far more profound to solve and be more inspired and motivated to solve problems. The role of the teacher, the teacher is there to connect now you know, the web between, well, this is what you're covering in science, and they're showing now how your project-based approach and connecting and trying to solve these real-world problems you know what? It does come and connect to the expectations of your of your provincial curriculum. Yeah. So it's not as if we're doing this for no reason. I mean, yes, learning experience is fantastic, but there is another backup connection to you know these are the learning strands that are 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 dictated by the government of Ontario, but we're doing it in a different way. That's right. Right. And and I love the fact that now we're in a position. That was our programming side. So what we've done now is, because it's a very high collaborative approach, active learning approach, and um, We've designed all of our classrooms so that it, again, focuses on active learning environments, collaborative approaches, so conferencing, conferencing tables, very, very mobile educational tools, and even the little things. We are, we're expanding in our project-based approach, which, which blends in uh, design thinking. But now we're in a very, very um, uh, wonderful position where we have completed a two-year renovation to all of our middle school spaces, so our classrooms from grades four to eight, where we've now tailored and aligned our tools and furniture to our programming and curriculum. So uh, the spaces that we've created, uh, the uh, even the little things, the, the whiteboards, our, our floor-to-ceiling uh, whiteboards, and it covers the entire peri perimeter of the classrooms. So what you're seeing on any given day is three students and or four students on one side, four or five students on the other side, six or seven or eight students at conferencing tables, but they're engaging, they're dialoguing, they're collaborating. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're working together as teams. But also, they're, you know, I do believe there are times where students need to work independently on their own, particularly when they're researching and, and they're, and they're, uh, you know, trying to find a deeper understanding of certain facts and under and, and, and concepts. But to have a multifaceted classroom where you have the opportunity for teachers to transition from independent work to also collaborative work, right, totally. which supports your project-based focus. And when you have um, uh, parents that, uh, that come into the environment and they see on paper 
that you know your focus is on creativity, collaborative environments, project-based environments. Well, they walk in and they see that. They see the connection. Yeah. And it does wonders to our community. And you know, when it comes down to how we connect all of that into our mission and vision, that goes back to my first point. That's right. That, you exactly. know, what do we want to do? Well, if this is if this is our mission, who we are, and our vision. Well, now not only on on paper are we showing it, we're showing it now physically in terms of our learning spaces. Absolutely, authentically through the spaces that you're creating. And James, I can't wait to get out to your school and see what you've done. Come on down. Yeah, yeah. Th- thanks yeah. for taking the time today and sharing excellence in education with me. I Thank you, Jason. It. Take care. All right.